passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Post Wrestling. It is John Pollock here with you. And joining us today, a man who is going into a very busy weekend as Smash Wrestling is back with shows in London, Ontario, this Saturday night, part of the London Western Fair, and then their big return to Toronto on Sunday at the Rec Room downtown with International Fight Night. I'm talking about promoter, wrestler, and all-around busy man, individual, Sebastian Suave, who is back here on Post Wrestling. Sebastian, uh, first of all, thank you for your patience, and welcome back to the site. Oh, happy to be back. Uh, it's always been uh, fun chatting with you boys. Uh, so tell me a little bit about just, you know, you guys uh, came back uh, last month in London, and this was after, you know, a, a big hiatus that a lot of companies have undergone during the pandemic. Uh, tell me a little bit about just, uh, running the show last month and now making your official Toronto return uh, this weekend of, and sort of getting right back into the the thick of things on the promotional end. Yeah, it, you know, it was a little nerve wracking because uh, much like a lot of other industries, you'd see uh, wrestling shows come back and then get canceled or postponed or uh, a lot of the laws during uh, the whole like heart of the pandemic was just very unpredictable so uh one thing i committed to was not rushing the return and respectfully um just giving it two to three months so if other shows had the green light to come back just kind of get a lay of the land in and out of wrestling with live events and with safety and all that and uh, just you know you got to be financially responsible you also got to be responsible with liability towards other people's health and at the same time uh for us we we our history has shown that we take into account production, you know, some quality venues and uh, international stars. So um, we didn't want to make that big return uh, where, where we'd be in a, you know, I'm not knocking running in a community center, but it wouldn't be smash wrestling if we didn't have those international stars, if we didn't have the production and the lights. So uh, it was worth the wait. Uh, we weren't sure what we'd result with uh, what we'd end up with uh, come August. But thankfully we had 400 plus people uh, in the London music hall, uh, great matches. And you saw a lot of regular faces in the crowd and backstage. So um, it was very therapeutic for a lot of us to see that, uh, you know, uh, it, it was what it was, still was. And it was what we envisioned it to be. What sort of response did you get in 
in the moment from that audience as well? Does it almost feel like it's like there's still sort of a warming up process to fans coming out to live events, being around other people? Or did you sense that it was, you know, an audience that they've been starved for live entertainment and it was great to have an avenue such as a professional wrestling show to attend? It, it definitely was the latter. I'm sure there's a minority that couldn't make it for uh, their own personal reasons, but uh a lot of the wrestlers just blatantly let it let people know on the mic like uh we've been itching to get back in this ring and a lot of the fans responded uh in kind and uh, it was nice to see a lot of people pulled us aside before and after the show and let them know how much they miss coming to a live event uh it was very touching we had one of our uh diehard regulars uh make note that he thought during the pandemic that he was done with live events for wrestling uh you know once events came back that he probably lost the love for it but he said the second we announced our return he he was ready to buy a ticket and uh kind of uh brought that love back for uh independent wrestling so it was very nice to see stuff of that nature and you know it's a uh, for me, and I think it's it's the wise path for many of us. It's you you got to put your feet in the shallow end because um, there's a lot obviously that was unpredictable with uh, the return of live events. But um, the reality is, a lot of us we've had a lot of major uh, pivots and shifts in our lives, professionally and personally. People people have changed geographies, careers. You know, people started up families. So. Um, it's just it was really important just for me for that first show just to be fun i'm like if if, the, if our roster can have fun if our staff can have fun if the fans can have fun we're not going to really overthink things with uh storylines and presentation and all that just put on a good show and make sure people are happy and and from there you you can kind of use the first one or two or three shows as a way to kind of assess where the market's at or are people starving? Can we go a little more aggressive? Uh, do we need to emphasize on storylines? Are we getting a lot of traveling fans coming to the shows or is it going to be more regional? There's, there's, it's an assessment period and um, it would be foolish to see what we we had with our first show back and to assume that, you know, it, it, you know, it's onwards like that, but uh, yeah, it, it, it's tricky to navigate. And uh, thankfully I think, uh, so far, things have been good, and uh, all, all the things that turned out well turned you know turned out better than expected. And there's always a few things to navigate uh, going forward. For yourself personally, um, it's interesting to, to look back that you know the week everything shuts down in March of 2020. You know, everyone's got their kind of unique um, story of what they're going through. Yeah. You find yourself you're over in Germany for WXW. Yeah. You're doing some shows in England. How uh, how stressful of a week is that for you where you're away from your family and all of a sudden it's like the the, the world is changing seemingly overnight where travel is yeah. affected. Um, tell me a little bit about as you go back now, two and a half years to uh, what that week meant for you. Yeah, it, it was crazy uh, just because you, you, you don't know uh, if you can cross and get back home. And uh, funny enough for myself, actually – my family ended up in Europe with me as um, uh, I was in Germany without them and I was in the UK without them. But in the week in between, I was visiting some of my relatives who uh, who had young boys the same age as my boys. Okay. And so we coordinated we're a little ahead of all this chaos that uh, they join us uh, in, in that middle of the, those two weeks. 
So between uh, my uh, my two weekend loops in Germany and UK, I was with my family. And what was a little worrisome was that as a result of those flights being scheduled at different times, we weren't on the same flight back. Oh. So you have all that chaos happening. And, you know, I would actually prefer if my family was home. <laughs> uh, right. But uh, uh, thankfully, one of my peers was on their flight and, uh, you know, was there to be a helping hand. And uh, uh, for us, I think it was thankfully w- when the whole thing was announced with, uh, with flights potentially being shut down and people not being uh, allowed to reenter. I think we were under 36 to 48 hours. So it was still being processed where we were allowed to come back. But uh, we were, we, a lot of us felt lucky because if it was five days later, maybe, uh, you know, you're, you're stuck for two to three weeks. And, you know, c- coming out of that, you know, so, so much stuff is, is being shut down afterwards. And you, you have a big gap. Like, was that your longest stretch? in your career without wrestling, without promoting shows, because it's about, you know, an 18 month period before you, you wrestle again. What was that uh, difficult for you that this has always been such a consistent uh, avenue, such a big part of your life, looking to the next show, the next match that's coming up. And all of a sudden there's this, this big hold on everything. Yeah, it was, it's even longer than anyone would publicly be aware of because uh, we, as you were aware in the summer of, uh, 2019, August 2019, we ran that big SummerSlam weekend with like eight, eight to 10 events over the course of four days. And that was the biggest burnout for us, myself personally, and some of my team. And we we committed after that to kind of taking uh, a four-month partial hiatus where we were strictly running some of our uh, bot events, our fair events, uh, our, our smaller towns. We we gave our team a bit of a break. I gave myself a bit of a, that was my first ever break. And we imagined somewhere in uh, January, February of early 2020, we, we kick it into new, a new gear. And uh, part of the break was also, we, we knew the lay of the land. We understood a lot of guys were getting signed. We understood what was, what used to draw, you know, wasn't always the same. We understood the challenges with market saturation and um, going into that, uh, summer of 2019 we were aware of that we would need to make a big pivot as a promotion in order to survive and it's not so much about us it's a pivot that we felt like a lot of promotions would need to do so we wanted to get a head start on that and that's kind of where we had the break so we we kind of dipped our feet back into to the scene around february of 2020 with events uh, a couple aggressive events planned for april of 2020 so we were in Germany in, in between those two months. And just as we started to get our feet wet with one show off the ground, that's when, when you know, uh, all hell broke loose and the world uh, froze over. So for myself, I felt like although a lot of people had that break since March of 2020, I technically looked at it as I, I had it almost from August of 2019 because we were running a couple low-key events, but we weren't really putting on the full vision, we were kind of having a reset. And you add to that, that a lot of companies started coming back uh, here in Canada when we had that, uh, the first green light to have events come back. And uh, it was kind of disheartening for myself because I knew coming back, it's not a matter of when you get the green light from the government, you're just going to put on a show. There was going to be a lot of preparation into that. So kind of in the, I believe it was the fall of 2021 a few companies started running and i started you know observing uh how people were drawing and i started putting the x's and o's together we 
gathered a lot of sponsors. And somewhere, I believe by early December, we had the second lockdown. And that was very disheartening for me because I, I quickly uh, learned during that pandemic that being proactive and planning the future was a, just a vicious circle that was really putting me in depression because I had all these great ideas for Smash Wrestling coming back. and But, you know, having ideas is one thing. Without implementing them, it's pointless. So it's like the saying that knowledge is power. No, knowledge plus action is power. So... I had all these great ideas, but then three months later, it's like you still haven't implemented them and then you come up with new ideas. So it was, that, that pandemic kind of zoning in on wrestling was kind of just, you know, going crazy. So for me, it's I kind of had a bit of a just a, a shutdown of just a cleanse where I wasn't really checking out the scene much. And I was off social media. I was just kind of zoning in on my family and my personal life until I knew that things were possible. But yeah, that the second lockdown was very disheartening because we were 80% of the way towards getting ready to come back and planning dates. And then you had a second lockdown. And then once everyone else is back in April, we decided to wait a few months. So for me, it's borderline like two and a half years at the very least, you know? So like I said earlier on, it was a, it was a, big therapeutic uh, moment for me to have an event back because it just it just felt like everything from that summer of 2019 just kept stretching over and over and yeah like you said in, in over 12 plus years of a career like I don't even know if I had like a month of a break from wrestling yeah. let alone like something that substantially long at the lowest are you ever looking at this do I want to continue promoting given such a new world that I'm re-entering and what this all comes with? Or is it always a question? It's, it's when I come back, not if. Uh, truthfully, yeah, there was a lot of internal questions. I kept it to myself, but I, you know, like, uh, I won't lie. There was some points of 2019 that were also dark in wrestling. Unfortunately, sometimes there's, there could be drama in wrestling and some of it can be, uh, attributed to, to yourself or your circles and sometimes others. But, uh, you know, I think a big part of me wanted to do good on that and put a good foot forward of trying to go the extra mile and creating positive atmospheres and uh, just finding ways, you know, you always don't have to be in business mode. You can sometimes go visit someone else's show and just be supportive and kind of put some good energy out there. But it, it's hard to ha kind of put out that good energy when there's no shows happening, you know, and it was very tough for us in Canada. Like, uh, the states you, you you're seeing all these shows going on with 500 plus fans and even in the uk there's all these shows going on and in canada there's not literally not even one promotion running uh you know there's no empty arena shows where uh guys and girls can uh kind of uh, get their feet wet over there uh so it was kind of tough and uh it, it made you question uh you know what's the next you know what's the next move you know i have a family here i have kids who at the time were about four and one. Now they're about seven and four. So mm -hmm. you're spending so much time with your family and, uh, you know, you're, you're wondering if it's better to start pivot, taking another pivot in your career. But yeah, but like I said, it, it's, it, it, there was a need to implement those ideas and there was a need to physically be at an event. And especially those first few months back, uh, before the first event, it was nice in itself, just reconnecting with other promoters, other wrestlers, with uh, staff members just trying to, you know, just put good energy out there. I wasn't trying to like uh, network with people with these very aggressive goals, which, you know, it, it's, that's pawn course for who I was most of my career. But 
um, you know, I think it's a lot like other careers do and a lot of other people. It's like you're very eager post pandemic to get back into the swing of things. But I think a lot of us learn not to take things for granted. So for me, part of not taking wrestling for granted is a lot of the, um, the friendships, the, you know, your peers, just, uh, the opportunity to share a car ride with people. So it was nice to just even reconnect with other promoters and just see how they're doing and all that. Just going back because you did reference it, the it was SummerSlam weekend here in Toronto, 2019. Yeah. That was the last time Smash did run Toronto proper. How do you view that that weekend um, in context? Was that something where was the market not ready for something uh, of that magnitude to almost replicate like a, a mini WrestleMania weekend? I mean, was that do you view that view that as a successful weekend? Was it too much for? you know, major WWE shows on top of all of these other events that are running on, running out in the city? I mean, if we just look at it by the numbers uh, financially or by gate, I mean, for an independent uh, loop of a weekend, it, there was a lot of home runs and there was a lot, there was a couple strikeouts, but you know, um, you, that's subjective to find out where, who you can attribute the success or the failure to, you know, like, um, each promotion at the end of the day was responsible for their own promotion and, you know, their own cards. But at the same time, it's like just uh, there was there was a lot that was interesting and that was learned. For example, like uh, when you look at the WrestleMania weekend stateside, a lot of the early shows or the really late shows still draw. So, you know, there was, you know, 4 p.m. time slots here in Toronto, but those shows, regardless of good cards or not, or good promotion or not, the, they suffered because uh, one thing that we we learned is we had a lot of fans show up from uh, Ontario. There wasn't as many Americans or international. There was, it's still cool. You saw someone flying from Brazil. You saw someone flying from Japan or a couple people from London and other parts of Europe. So there was definitely people who who who'd come to your event that normally wouldn't, but. Um, I think with WrestleMania weekend, it's like, it's just not regional fans. And we had, we learned that it was a big event weekend, but it was a big event weekend for regional and provincial fans, uh, within driving distance. So all those, whether it was Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, any of those afternoon, sorry, the evening shows, they were packed. They, you know, there was no room to sit. People were standing. They those shows were hot and they were full, but, um, those 4 p.m. shows, you know, like if, if, if you and I go to WrestleMania weekend in Florida, we clearly have taken work off. So you can go to a 4 p.m. show or a midnight show. But what we learned is a lot of the people coming to our shows were relatively regional or provincial. So they're not taking t- time off work. So they'll come every night on a Wednesday or on a Thursday, on a Saturday and, a, and on the weekend. But uh, those 4 p.m. time slots weren't as you know a wise move as uh it would with like let's say a wrestlemania weekend so it was something to learn and i think you always look at it as either you win or you learn not that you lose so uh, there was a lot of financial success from that weekend there was a lot of gate success um for me i just despise it all because it, it, the amount of work and stress that was put into that uh was too much to be blunt it's uh, but again it's not something i'd say i wouldn't do again i'd be very open to doing something like that again but i think again you look at it as you either win or you lose. So you look at the wins, you replicate them and the areas that, you know, were too stressful or let's say uh, weren't organized efficiently or were a bit of a more risk time slot. You kind of, you know, you adjust and you alter from that going forward. So, um, 
but yeah, it, it, at the end of the day, I would, I don't regret it because it was, I feel like our promotion, uh, Smash Wrestling has had a, every year or two, we have these very key, uh, pivotal moments that kind of allow us to continue to evolve and make a stand for what, what separates us from the rest of the market. And, uh, all promotions should kind of be a little ambitious and trying something new and, uh, kind of, I mean, that's, that's, I think how, especially the independent scene grows, you, you, you gotta do something beyond the norm once in a while. And, uh, doing that kind of stuff requires sometimes to taking a swing and missing. That same uh, weekend, you know, it, it ends with Raw in Toronto and you end up doing a match with the Viking Raiders. Do you know going into that week that you're, you're doing that at the end of all of this or did that come together pretty quickly? Because no, in the midst not, of this- not the match, but yeah. The, so the chaotic thing is we had those we had those eight or eight or nine or whatever shows in four days. And there was two days of preparation for that and one week of uh, cleanup. So I already had seven days for myself that looked like they were 24 hour days. And then. Uh, I get the call that, uh, I was being asked to, to be an extra and, uh, be around for, uh, the NXT pay-per-view, for the SummerSlam pay-per-view, for Raw, and then for SmackDown. So that's Saturday straight through, uh, Tuesday. Right. So now I gotta kind of have those seven days and then that gets stretched into an extra two to three days. So now you, you're pretty much not seeing the wife and kids <laughs> for nine or ten days, barring like, you know, a quick one hour where you can. So that was kind of tough on a personal level, uh, very little sleep. Uh, but, uh, uh, thankfully there was some key people on my team that were able to juggle the last day on the Saturday, uh, where we had, a, I believe two quality events. And, um, in regards to the match of the Viking Raiders, that, that kind of, uh, came a few hours prior to the show. They were looking for, uh, whether it's two locals or two extras on hand for, for the match. And um, one of the agents, uh, um, Abyss, he, he's known me for a while and he kind of had an idea of what they were looking for out of that match. So for him, it was kind of uh, vital to find someone who would fit what they were looking for size wise and skill set wise. So I recommended someone from the group uh, and he said, uh, they were looking for another person to complement that match and asked for my availability. So obviously the answer is yes. But uh, yeah, and that's how that came about. Uh, but it was kind of nice to have that rapport with uh, some agents, uh, uh, a couple of the people backstage. So it worked to my favor. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Take me just into the process of being in a, in a situation like that. Like here, you've got 90 seconds. So it's like, are you going in there with the idea of let's not overthink this? I, I'm a professional. I've worked in front of big crowds before. Or are you looking at this like, listen, I, this is a 90 second audition. How much are you putting kind of in your head of, you know, approaching, you know, a platform like that? I think a lot of people would get nervous or try to audition. Uh, thankfully, uh, I've, I've known a lot of people who, I've gone through that process. So I, I kind of already knew what the deal was like. You got to be a professional. You're not there for you. You're there for them. It's, mm-hmm. it's there to establish uh, the Viking Raiders. And 
for me, it was just a, honestly, there was no butterflies and not in an arrogant way, but in a way of like, Hey, like if the five-year-old you who used to watch raw, the 10 year old used to watch raw, like knew that you showed up on raw for a match, like you would just be losing his mind. So just have some gratitude and just be appreciative of the moment. And uh, that's what it was. So it was just, you know, prepping for that match. It was just being happy and appreciative of what it was and kind of enjoying it. And, uh, but I guess there was a silver lining that probably everyone would forget, uh, but myself, but, uh, in that match, there was a spot where I took the, the knees on the outside and uh, I flew into the barricade and ended up upside down and the picture started trending a little bit, but I just wanted to make sure that bump looked good. And it was kind of nice that as soon as I came back, the, um, a lot of people were saying how like Shane McMahon called, uh, you know, the bump amazing and told those guys, you got to thank those guys. They sold like champs. And, um, how uh, one or two other like key members of uh, uh, the front office were very complimentary of that bump. So, uh, and that was expressed to me by a few people. So, you know, it was a nice little uh, sm- small victory there to to hear that. To, at least it reaffirmed that I, I made the most of my 90 seconds without uh, going into business for yourself. Right. Like I said, uh, you're not there for yourself. You're there to do a job and, uh, uh, you know, thankfully, I think it went well in in that regards. So you fast forward to uh, this most recent Raw that was in Toronto. And one of the big news items coming out of that show is Johnny Gargano's uh, unadvertised return and gets this superstar reaction in front of the, the Scotiabank arena. And it immediately brought up a lot of people talking about, you know, his ties in Toronto vis-a-vis Smash Wrestling. I mean, he headlined your, your second show and... Not, not to say everyone in that arena is, is aware of that, but it was to me something really cool to see him get that kind of a reaction in Toronto. And I'm sure like a portion of the audience that might have first been exposed to him through your promotion. Yeah, that's very cool. And it seems like uh, anytime he's coming to Toronto, there's always a, there's always a good moment. Uh, I believe they had that really stellar match of, uh, FTR. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, feel, yep. I believe that was one of the one of the, the takeovers before yeah. the Survivor Series. Yeah, one one of those takedowns. So like, uh, he's had a few moments, and he, he you know in the past uh, very kind of him, but he 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 hasn't been shy of referencing Smash or showcasing a, a photo of him with the Smash belt uh, making his return to Toronto. So uh, you know you, you take that with humility, even if like you said, even if it is a small portion of the audience and small portion of the wrestling community. Uh, it's nice to see that his time spent in Toronto and the WWE is always uh, optimized and uh, it's acknowledged, uh, whether it's online or, you know, through his own social media account. So, uh, you know, you just got to be grateful for that and uh, uh, be appreciative that he he did walk through our doors. And we've been very thankful to have a lot of uh, quality human beings, obviously a lot of quality professional wrestlers, but they've also been equally quality human beings who've walked through our locker room and spent a lot of years uh, with our crew. When you see WWE fill the Scotiabank arena in August, AEW is coming for two nights in in October. Does that give you um, cause for pause about these big events happening so close together? Or is it the opposite that, Hey, we're coming out of a pandemic and this amount of wrestling fans in Toronto are willing to go out and buy tickets and go to a live event that, there, there should be a trickle down effect. Um, you know, like I, I've learned long before the pandemic, but like I've really embraced it. Like you got to really 
control what you can control and not worry about things externally. You can be aware of what's happening externally, but, you know, um, you know, WWE sees an opportunity to run in Toronto. They should run in Toronto. AEW sees an opportunity to run in Toronto. They should also run in Toronto. And it's like, and, and you know, like in the past, we've seen a situation where Toronto had a lot of saturation on the independent scene or with a lot of major promotions coming running events, whether it was Ring of Honor or others. And there was always a challenge for that, even where there's buzzworthy promotions coming to Toronto and wanting to partner up with us as a host venue. Um, you know, there's always a pro and a con to everything, but uh, at the end of the day, it's, uh, I think it should just be simplified too. It's better to have too much than too little. There's a lot of markets that would, you know, kill to have WWE uh, live events like Raw and SmackDown to have AEW uh, to be having a lot of these high profile events. So, um, you know, I think a lot of uh, independent promotions uh, such as Smash Wrestling need to be aware of the challenges you face with saturation, but, uh, and, you know, uh, a challenge is an opportunity to, you know, resolve something and to get innovative. So, you know, I think it's just great. I, I think especially post pandemic, uh, I think it's a win, win, win because you're hopefully going to see a lot of local uh professional wrestlers from the independent scene here make appearances whether it's with ww or aew and for a lot of wrestling fans uh themselves they haven't seen a lot of these aew or ww stars in possibly two three or four years so it's exciting We'll wrap up in just a few minutes and we'll get all the information out for the cards this weekend. But looking at a Sunday show in Toronto itself, uh, you're going to be at the rec room. It is a 5 p.m. bell time beyond just tickets sold. What, what for you in 2022 makes for a successful event in, in your eyes that you want uh, people to walk away from? And has that changed for you over over the 10 years of running Smash Wrestling of what is, you know, a show that you go home and and you really like have that high following following a show that you know has has hit it out of the park yeah and i i think it really gets summarized to community building and not to like get all like fancy with like and cute with that but it, the reality is uh the heart and soul of your audience's energy comes from your regulars and typically your regulars are buying the premium tickets the vip tickets the front row tickets so I think uh, it's not taking fans like that for granted and understanding what it takes to have them come back. We've always been fortunate throughout all our years that we've had a very loyal audience, but it, it also is a discussion of there are fans that come to your events part-time or they typically buy GA tickets. How can you transition them to VIP ticket holders? Uh, how can you transition them to engage in your community beyond just attending the event? Uh, you know, in football and other sports, they look at the tailgate, they look at the, uh, joining the forums and all that. How can we build a community of wrestling fans that, you know, they enjoy other products, they enjoy other live events, but, you know, Smash is always there uh, as a routine stop each month. So uh, I think, you know, coming out of this pandemic, um, there, there's certainly going to be a lot of live events, but I think we got to look at it beyond just selling tickets. It's uh, obviously our goal is to have returning fans. So, you know, having repeat sales. But you can't just look at it as, you know, keep spending money with us or buy a ticket. It's more of a like, hey, how can we, you know, with permission and not forcefully get you involved in our community, not just, you know, sending Facebook invites of, hey, join join the event page and whatnot. And I think that's, you know, it, it, you always hear about how, you know, there's no shortcuts to success. And I think building a community takes time. 
I think we've done a very good job of that in the past, sometimes knowingly and sometimes inadvertently with just the way our operation was run and the passion that was there between the roster and the fans and all that. But uh, yeah, it's uh that's, you know, that's, and like I said, we got to get our feet in the shallow end first. So uh, I'm a very ambitious individual and I do like to hit home runs, but I think it'd be foolish to be that aggressive off the get go. So um, a big part of understanding that for myself was, uh, someone needs to express that with the fans. Someone on our team needs to go, you know, like, like a politician, shake hands and kiss babies, but also be very authentic and organic about it. And, uh, the more I realized that I realized that I can't always be on the cards as a result, because, uh, as much as there are certain people I trust to play that role at the end of the day, it's my promotion. And if it's, it's my vision and my passion for, you know, our core audiences to be heard to be communicated with, uh, then it's got to be me. So uh, you'll likely see me wrestle here and there for Smash Wrestling, but in the short term, it's it's kind of been a tough pill to swallow. But I think, one, that's the right decision to uh, kind of uh, be on the sidelines and just just double down on, you know, building relationships with our roster, with our staff, with the fans, and uh, doing that from the minute I wake up on event days until the end of the day, uh, you know, wrap-up. So... It's exciting in that sense, but it's, I guess it's part of the evolution of uh, uh, adapting to how we're going to see growth going forward. Well, we'll get all the information out here for the uh, two shows that are coming up this weekend. Saturday night, you've got a, a free event that's part of the London the London Western Fair. Uh, Dalton Castle against Psycho Mike. Shigehiro Irie, who is in for, for both shows, uh, taking on Joe Hendry. Rosemary against Nikita. And then Sunday's card is International Fight Night. And that will start at 5 p.m. at the Rec Room, which is a great venue, I feel, for wrestling. Uh, with Joe Hendry against Jake Something. Dalton Castle against Irie and Taylor Wilde against Nikita. So um, that that is all coming up this weekend. And man, next month will be ten years, Sebastian. Yeah, it's crazy. Smash wrestling. <laughs> it was October of uh, 2012 when uh, this thing started. So it's kind of crazy how that's flown by. But uh, just very grateful. Uh, you know, made a lot of friends, a lot of memories. Uh, uh, I'm not saying this sarcastically, but wrestling has forced me to grow up in so many ways, uh, both personally and professionally. And, uh, you know, looking back on it, uh, it's been exciting. And I think, uh, hopefully that, you know, now that things are back and like I said, I've kind of, it's reinvigorated my love for this, for the game. It's hopefully it's just the start of it and there's many years to go. <laughs> Well, Sebastian, it's always great to catch up with you. I always find our discussions uh, really enlightening because I, I think that you're someone that's that's very honest with yourselves. You're not you're not a promoter that kind of uh, kids himself. Like you look at you know what works, what I can learn from, and I I always appreciate like your candor in these uh, discussions that we've had over the years. It's very kind of you. I appreciate that. Hopefully, there will be another round down the road. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, all the best uh, going in this weekend, Saturday night in London, and then Sunday downtown Toronto at the Rec Room. And that will wrap it up for us. Uh, you can find more information, smash-wrestling.com. And for all your latest news, you can go check out postwrestling.com.